There's also a danger in being a helicopter parent or that lawnmower yeah. parent that clears the way of every obstacle in the way of your kid. Yeah. Um, problem solving is a, a core skill that we need to exist in the world today. Yeah. And if we're not teaching our kids how to cope and how to, to wrestle with challenges, then we're doing them a huge disservice. Well, welcome to the 50th episode here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. I'm Justin Keller, your host. And the goal for this show, for every single episode, is that you'd be challenged to rebel against complacency and conformity and fight for brilliance in every area of your life. And I can't think of a better way to celebrate a monumental episode for me, which is 50 episodes here, than to do it with the great friend. And so I'm excited for you to hear this interview today with my good friend, Mike Sims, as we talk all things parenting and fatherhood. We talk about the importance of outside influences for your children, the importance of not undermining your spouses or co-parents, uh, what it looks like to love our kids unconditionally, and passing on a strong work ethic. For over a decade now, I believe at least, Mike and I have uh, consistently been able to get together. Uh, we've shared many conversations face-to-face like the one that you're about to hear. And so, What's special about this one is I think you're going to feel like you're just kind of eavesdropping on a couple of friends sharing a beer and talking life. And I just have so much respect for Mike as a dad. And so I promise that you're in for a really great conversation here today. And as you're listening to this and as you hear something that resonates with you, I just want to encourage you to share this episode with a friend or two. And you can just do that by sending them a direct link to this episode. And then another great way to share it is share a screenshot to your social media. If you hear something that you connect with, mention Mike Sims and share that across social media and let people know what you're listening to. And I just want you to know that I'm so grateful for this community here. And every time that you share an episode, it means so much as I truly believe that the conversations in this show can help people live lead and create more brilliantly. And so thank you for championing that mission with me. Okay, now I'm thrilled to introduce you to Mike Sims. So let's jump right into this conversation that he and I had together uh, sometime later last year. Every one of us are already made brilliant. You don't have to create that brilliance and you don't have to wish you had it. It's already in you. But you're going to have to fight to find that brilliance and you're going to have to fight even harder to live out your brilliance. Now let's get ready to have a conversation that will challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity and fight for brilliance in every area of your life. You and I normally have these conversations, but it's usually with either lunch or over a beer. We do. Yes, and so it's a little strange to sit down on camera together for sure, but I was looking forward to this because as I was working on this podcast and thinking about the idea of fight for brilliance and who inspires me, who do I see inspiring either others in their community or their families, I thought of you. And every time we get together, especially now that I'm a dad, every time we get together, you know, I always soak up like the stuff that you talk about with your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the family side of, of your life. When we met, gosh, do you remember when we met? Would have been uh, 10 years ago, yeah. almost 10 years. Yeah, we were Eight? both... At least 10. Yeah. At least 10, probably. Because yeah. I was on staff at a church. You were on staff yep. at a church. Yep. In the same city. Yes. We were 
counterparts there, like both. You were overall yes. creative. I was overall creative. Yes. So that is that is like how I knew you as a creative and as a leader of teams. Right. And even when we first met, I didn't have my son. You know, That's my right. life was a lot different. I, I wasn't even married. I was single. <laughs> I'm back to single. Yeah. <laughs> but I was single, no kids. And so I don't, I feel like our conversations probably geared more around creativity, des, you know, our headaches yeah, with design, <laughs> headaches with, yeah, staffing, no, staffing, <laughs> uh, budgets and things. Yes. We were not focused on family. No. And then we shifted to probably at some point talking about Ironman. Yes. training which you've done let's see how many halves have you done i've done three halves yeah. and a full and you're gonna do another full with me in 2020 <laughs> right if i am i better get started training <laughs> the difference that, that i've enjoyed now is we both stepped out of the ins and outs of you know church and which is a big part of our lives and our faith's a big part of our lives but we both are doing our own things, leading creatives, leading, you know, creativity for you're doing it at a, at a large scale, like yes. with this, the projects you're working on. Yes. And so I want to focus on, on the conversations that we tend to have now, which is not about creativity. It's actually about fatherhood and life and just stuff going on. And so one of the things I was thinking about was, you know, t- your boys, they're, well, give me their ages again right now. One is... Sam is uh, 20 years old. He is a junior mechanical engineering degree major at Texas A&M. And Kyle is coming up on 18 years old, so he'll be a senior at the Woodlands High School. Yeah, and when we were talking just even recently, I was thinking about just the dynamics of that feeling you must have of that last one in the house. Yes, so there's yeah. probably some excitement. Yes, excitement and also a little bit of uh, bittersweet emotion there. Yeah. Um, you know, because we're, we're entering a new chapter of, um, of child rearing and parenthood, which is, you know, you, you set your kids up for success and then you set them free yeah. on the world. And that's scary. It's exciting. Um, it can be, um, you know, really, really exciting when we're talking about the career possibilities and, you know, who they'll marry and who they'll meet and, and what type of careers and what type of families and what type of lives that they'll carry on. Um, you, you hope and pray for the best around those things. But um, as we know, it is a dark and um, really, really evil world out there. And uh, competition's fierce. Um, culture has shifted a lot around... Um, and just every nook of, of what we know as the traditional family. And so um, to have a new frame of reference for, you know, our sons, yeah. um, to, to bring them up in a, in a certain household, in a certain reference, um, in a certain style of, of family, yeah. and then for them to go out in the world and experience something vastly different, um, it, it's, it can be daunting. Um, when you talk about... You know, sending them off, you know, you raise them up a certain way. Right. (laughs) Probably trying to control as many variables as possible. And then, boom, they're out doing their own thing. All these other influences. Something I've been thinking a lot about, and you can speak into this. And what I love is that you're way further along as a father. So this is a very selfish conversation for me. But I am starting to feel like my son's only four, but he's already been inside of other school programs. And he's there, you know, all day long. And he's with me. 
there's only it feels like there's only so much you can control and there's all these other factors of that are going to help shape their life regardless right. of our choice or not how is that tough for you as far as like letting go even of some of that control or, or is that something that's still hard it is but it's i think it's really necessary in their social development very early on um you know the my perspective and my approach as a dad was always to let my sons know that I love them no matter what. Um, you know, to take the really godly approach around fatherhood and sonship um, is something that I try to model to them even now, which is there's nothing in the world that my sons can do to stop me from loving them. And I think that's, that's a perfect model for our Heavenly Father's approach to to us as his children and so I, I've tried to live that out with my boys and I, I distinctly remember you know a time where Sam who was maybe four or five at the time I would discipline him for you know either misbehaving or yeah. stepping out of bounds or talking back and he would come to me in tears after his time out and he would ask me do you still love me mm. and that was a completely unexpected question coming from, you know, at the time a four-year-old. Totally. Um, and I had to, I, I quickly had to shift gears and, and understand that I had to teach him what that looked like, that I would always love him no matter what. So that set up a discussion around consequences mm. and the fact that I, I'm going to love him like crazy. I'm going to support him even in spite of whatever they fall short on or whatever mistake they made or wh whatever happens in their life that's less than optimal or less yeah. than what I would desire for them, um, there are consequences in this world as well. And so that set the stage for um, really helping them understand really the, just the biblical premise for parents and sons and, and, and fathers and yeah. sons. In terms of the socialization, um, we sent our kids to camp really early. I think from like first grade on, we sent them to two week camp because we wanted them to be out in a safe environment. It was a church camp in, in the Texas Hill Country. Um, so it was really safe and, and fun. But we wanted them to experience um, other people, yeah. their peers, and then also uh, see really healthy role models. At the time, they were high school students who were the counselors. Yeah. And so um, I'm really pleased with that because throughout you know their their childhood and and through their adolescence are both of our boys have gra gravitated towards guys who are slightly older than them who have served as additional role models besides their mother and i and that's and that's pretty special to have like knowing the, the load's not all on you yeah. but i mean parents yeah. probably want the sometimes early on i feel like myself even yes. you feel like the load is all on you yeah. You're talking about um, the, the discipline thing, and I just had to discipline London the other night for just not listening, like, repeatedly, right? Like, there's right. Uh, there's times where, like, you're tired, you're a kid, I'm going to give you some right. grace. It was just one of those, like, right. this isn't just being tired, this is you testing the limits. Right. How hard was that for you to really, like, you know, learn and, and navigate, like, okay, gosh, because it it's hard to discipline because I love this kid and I want them to know that. Was that a hard thing for you guys to learn, even just whether it's as a dad or just even as a couple, like to get aligned on like, all right, somehow they'll still love us. We got to do this. Or is that natural for you? I think it came more natural to me because of the way I was raised and disciplined. Yeah. So there's, there's a little bit of a, 
of uh, I wouldn't say a mean streak, but <laughs> but definitely more of a very straightforward approach in parenting that I experienced from my parents. Yeah. Um, and so for me to grow up in that environment where you know there were some real clear lines drawn, um, it was easy for me to draw clear lines for my sons. Then, <laughs> did you so. did you ever find yourself like it's almost too easy to like resort to discipline? Absolutely, I got it. You did. Yes. Yeah, that so so that's that's a um, that's another concept that I, I I try to put into practice, which is a both and the power of both and, mm-hmm. which is um, I'm going to discipline you and I'm going to teach you the rules of how I think you should be following, you know, and how you should be raised, and I'm also going to love you like crazy, yeah. and I'm going to celebrate the the wins, and I'm going to show affirmation when you least expect it. It's a both and scenario. Um, I think as parents, especially when we're tired, especially when you're in a single parent scenario where Mm -hmm. it literally is you and this kiddo um, for long spans of time where it is easy to snap into um, just a gut reaction that's inappropriate to and it doesn't match, you know, their action. Yeah, or match our or match our love for them. Absolutely, and so there is that um, there is that pitfall that I think we as parents we all make at some point and we all fall into, which is, hey, I overdiscipline my sons. At that point, I took that as a as a um, an opportunity to show humility and to actually apologize. And so that's a pretty powerful moment. Like, how do you remember? Like, I mean, for me, I've been. You know, London's so young; it's easy to remember everything now. Yeah. So, and I've been, I've made apologies a practice of what I do with him yep. if I overreact or whatever. Because yeah. my dad's my hero, but I don't remember like apologies growing up from my dad. Like right. I was wrong; they were right. You know, right. generation difference yes, too, right? So difference. I think that's so. It's not about them. Do you remember like when you kind of realize, okay, I can humble myself. This isn't making me less of a leader to my kids. Yeah. Do you remember like a switch like going on for you or was it just a gradual, like at some point you just started to kind of realize? I, I really was challenged by my wife at that point to, to rethink my behavior. Um, <laughs> I would give, would not give her, <laughs> I'd give her some of the credit for, um, for shaping my behavior. We have vastly different parenting styles. I'll say that even now. We celebrate yeah. that and the fact that I think our, our guys have thrived under that um, that co um, kind of leadership uh, model where my wife is a lot more, um, I, I would say loving, I would say a lot more supportive and she is just the eternal optimist yeah. and I'm the realist. And I will say, you know, I will spell out consequences A, B, and C if you don't do this. And she'll say, you know, well, um, a, B, you know, one, two, and three, um, those things aren't going to happen if you do one, two, and three. You know, it's just, it's, it's the glass half full, half empty kind of yeah. perspective. And so they've, they've achieved that balance. But um, <clears throat> I do think that uh, she shaped and she encouraged me along the way um, to have those real moments and say, you know, what do you think you should do about this? Because I was feeling bad. As a parent, you have that gut reaction deep down in your stomach where you know you messed up and you you could have you should have done it differently the Mm -hmm. best thing to do is just to own that because you're modeling for your kids ownership and responsibility and not not trying to be um the the perfect person 100 percent of the time and they watch and they 
there's a, a big value. There's a big learning there um, that you can give them. That's it's really a gift that that will serve them later on. I know. I wonder. Like, do you see? Because having a you know someone in college, at least I would think you're starting to see some of the fruits of your labor. Maybe like, all right, I he picked that up, or he picked. Are yes. you? What are you seeing that they're you know 18 years old even right? right. What are you seeing that they're picking up? Like, do they have that humility? Are they quick to apologize? Are they, what are you seeing? They're very gentle. Um, Both Sam and Kyle are, I would say, really, really stand-up guys in the way that they carry themselves with their friends, with their their, uh, mother, Um, Sam with his girlfriend, his longtime girlfriend. They're very, very uh, specific to honor people. uh, same goes with their elders, some you know people of stature and, and position. Um, so they 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 have learned respect and they practice respect. Yeah. Um, I would say the same is true where they observe disrespect, and then we have kind of a sidebar commentary. And sometimes it's funny because you know we'll we'll be out at a restaurant or something, and Kyle will say, "Man, those kids need to go to the bathroom," because that's exactly what I would do to them yeah. if they misbehaved in public. I would say we're going to the men's room. And we're going to have, you know, a little course correction. <laughs> and that's what we did yeah. in the men's room. And so they've even gone so far as to say, man, when I have kids, they're, I'm t- absolutely taking them to the men's room. <laughs> so they're not so, scarred. They're not scarred from, no. the, from the men's room. <laughs> no, it's just, it was just, a, it, again, it was a very straightforward approach to behavior correction. Yeah. Um, and so they, I think they learn from it and it's something that they're going to carry on. It was, it's been interesting to me to see, I'm sure when he becomes a teenager, like all these attitudes change and maybe when he's five or six, things change. But as of now, when I discipline, I'm quick to like talk to him about, you know, why and like love on him pretty quickly after, like I am right away after. And within five, 10 minutes of that moment, the kid turns into the sweetest thing. Mm-hmm. And it's quite the opposite of what I would think. Like, okay, if I'm going to discipline him, he's going to be pissed at me. You know, and I'm going to pay the price for this. going to ruin our evening. I don't know. I've just been surprised. Yeah. At, like, discipline doesn't create this demon. It actually creates this different kind of, like, respect and love between yeah. each other. I was, yeah. I've been blown away by it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that there's um, well-documented research around... Uh, boys specifically, um, you know, from from the counseling community and from kind of the, the psychology community that says that boys especially need boundaries mm-hmm. and they thrive when they're structured. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we, uh, to a great degree, are seeing um, in some cases a generation of young men who did not grow up in structure, did not understand consequences, and so there's kind of a, a, a trend in failure to launch. Um, there is a new trend in what it means to be a healthy, productive, successful man within our culture. Yeah. And so those are far-reaching implications that, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, why is this generation the way it is? And um, I, I, it's not so easy as to write off everything, which is just to say, oh, well, dismissive parenting. Totally. Um, I think there's a lot of factors that play into that, but I do think that um, 
you know, the way a boy is raised uh, from very, very early on kind of sets the, sets him up for either success or failure later on in his life. And, and that's being lived out. Did you learn that? Did you have your dad show you that? Because everyone, I mean, I've seen some amazing dads that came from really shitty homes. Yep. And then I've seen amazing dads that, uh, you know, that raised kids that turned out to be just absent fathers. So like, to me, it doesn't always go back to, you know, a father, you know, a father. Right. Did you have that example in your life or was it other example? Well, so I was very fortunate in having both my parents serve as role models for me. And I would say the number one takeaway that I learned from both my parents was a tireless work ethic, Mm. um, a focus on excellence, a focus on respect, and, um, you know, a a focus on community, you know. And so I think those things really serve me well. Like community, how so? Well, just in in terms of... um, I grew up in the church yeah. and the fact that, um, you know, we lean on each other and the collective whole, not even as a family unit, but as our church family, as our town, you know, as our city, as our nation and world, to some regard, um, we need each other as humans. And what does that look like and how does that play out? And again, that, you know, that those role models came out. Um, both from my dad and and from um, other people in the community, for sure, around the work ethic and around respect. And so, can you know? I, I don't know that there's any magic formula. Um, there's a lot of factors that play into a person's success or failure as an adult. Totally. But that hardwiring starts when they're young, and I feel like the more structure we can give our young people, the the more cause and effect, and just being real and honest up front. Um, and ownership, you know, of, of our mistakes, um, I think the better off they're going to be. Yeah. I just feel like no matter what, like it's just, there's too much exposure to a lot of great examples out there mm-hmm. um, that, like for me, I thought maybe my dad, would, my dad has been an influence, but I've, I, it's, I've been surprised to see like how many other things are now influencing me as a dad as well. Right. So it's just regardless of the dad that you had, I just feel like there's a lot of opportunities for us to find other fatherhood, yes. you know, type figures, you know, yes. for our lives. So if it doesn't just come, have to come from, you know, your father directly, right. what are some other things that have influenced you from, whether it's especially like resources that like books or, you know, things that are available to other people? Are there other things you've kind of immerse yourself in? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of literature, again, that, that talks about um, the masculine persona um, as we know it. And I know that there's a lot of conflict in culture around that. Yeah. Again, through the Christian lens, um, there's a very clear picture for, um, for how men are shaped and how God hardwired us to live. And um, John Eldridge uh, has this book, Wild at Heart, which is it's almost a classic, I would say. Uh, that's that's been around for a while and he talks about three things that men are hardwired to do um, number one they're hardwired for battle mm-hmm. uh, to do something and fight for something that they care passionately about mm-hmm. um, you know I think in, in the older centuries and in, in, in more recent times it's been you know the the figurative battle hey I'm gonna fight for a cause yeah. versus like hey we're going into 
you know, literally battle like Braveheart. Um, but yeah. there, there's that big thing about, you know, it's like I, I identify with that because we're, we're hardwired to be passionate and to fight for what we believe in. Um, the second thing is to live an adventurous life, you know, to live a grand adventure and to go and seek out uh, unknown opportunities and what they might hold, yeah. um, which is exciting. And um, I think that, you know, I, I can I definitely identify with that. Um, you know, I love to adventure. I love to be outdoors. I love to be in, in God's creation. Uh, and the third thing is, uh, is to win the love of someone beautiful. Hmm. And so that sets up um, the story of partnership, right, in yeah. marriage or otherwise, um, just to have a romantic interest that and you want to win the woman. Um, you want to um, you want to win her heart. And um, it's like all hard, the these are things that are hardwired, yeah. you know, in us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so the author kind of walks us through that. And then there's there's pitfalls and there's things to um, to be aware of around running from mistakes. Yeah. And, um, you know, certainly I can identify with that, too, because we're all human and we're going to make mistakes. It's it's another lesson that I teach my sons, which is it's not the fact that you're going to make mistakes. We're all going to screw up. The more important thing is how you're going to recover from whatever mistake you made. Yeah. And so that's resilience. really absolutely resilience yeah. and, and the recovery of the ownership of whatever it is that you fouled up. How are you going to make that right? And that's the more important question. I love that. Like from a, from a, like a voice and a message to, you know, I think about my son, like to tell him like, all right, so you messed up now. What? Like, let's go, like, let's yeah. figure this out with the three things from Eldred's book, which I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Sure. But, um, it was to win battle mm-hmm. and to win battle a battle for, or battle for something you battle care for about. something you care about. Okay. Right. And then uh, adventure. Yep. And then uh, the romance or win her yep. over or whatever yep. you think about that though. And just even generationally, like where we're at in a culture, it yep. feels like the battle, the, uh, you know, something to fight for. Yep. You were right that it is there when it's attached to like a cause. And it's, that's, that's a softer, like it's a protest. Let's put our voice out there versus right. like, I'm going to go eat, like you eat what you kill kind of battle, exactly. you know, like I feel like I was raised with, you know, I told my dad uh, when I was 10, I wanted a pair of Air Jordans or whatever. Like I had to have a pair. No, it was a CD player that my brother and I wanted. Yeah. I dating myself here, <laughs> but he, Sorry. we had to earn it and right. we got a paper out and we both saved up our money. We bought our first CD player together. Right. When I wanted Jordans, he said, I'll pay 40 bucks for shoes. Those are 90. You got to make up the difference. So that was like, when you think about those right. principles, that is still winning like a battle that I care yep. for, right? Yep. In a sense, like yep. I want approval from having these Jordans. I exactly. want to be, that was instilled in us very well, even mm-hmm. through my generation. I feel like those are things that are being, we're handing more to our kids. I even catch myself like, whoa, whoa, don't do everything for him. Like right. make him earn it. So it's interesting, right. those three things I can see even the adventure. Right you know, we're actually trying to create these safe boundaries. Right. We kill curiosity, exactly. which is what adventure is all about. Exactly. So it's interesting. Those three things are, I think you can point back to like generations where that could be strong and yeah. maybe where there's room to strengthen that for guys like me who are yeah. now just raising young boys. Yeah. I think that um, another source of inspiration, of course, is, is the Bible without getting too biblical or you know, yeah, yeah. too religious. Um, my favorite, my absolute favorite story from the Bible is the prodigal son. And, um, you know, the, for those who are unfamiliar, it's, it's a story about a guy who, uh, asks for his inheritance early from his dad. And, 
um, goes off and really just wrecks his life because of the overabundance that he was given. Um, and so he had to claw his way back and literally eat pig food and do really, really dirty things in order to get by. And uh, finally came to a moment of desperation where he went back and asked for forgiveness from his dad. And his dad welcomed him with open arms. He ran to meet his son. And so, again, that just sets up a really powerful picture for our godly father and how much he loves for us and how much he provides for us. Um, and it's up to us to steward the resources that he gives us um, because it is a rich inheritance. And so there's that responsibility yeah. and that trust factor that um, God is going to give us blessings and, and it's up to steward those well. And sometimes we squander it and then have to go back and ask for forgiveness. And so I know in our own lives um, that plays out over and over um, through relationships and I think asking forgiveness and again, just owning whatever mistakes you make, I think is absolutely critical. From that story, I actually love the idea too and attached to the fatherhood concept of being okay, like knowing like, okay, if they go out and do something like that you're not okay with or just, and I mean, I can't think of all the things that I did that my dad had to still choose to stay dad, yep. you know, and still like choose to say, you can sleep in this bed tonight, like that you probably don't deserve to have right. anymore. I should kick right. you out, right. you know, and that just as a, as a dad, that reminder of like, they're going to go out, they're going to do stuff to disappoint. Absolutely. How do you treat them through that? Like that's, that's something that I, yeah, I can't even imagine what those days are going to look like. They're going to be hard, I bet, though. It's not just an easy choice. What is one of the, um, what's one of the worst things, worst pieces of advice that you were ever given when you were like either about to be a dad or as a father, like advice that you've been given that you're like, that's, or you found out that that advice was like, no, that doesn't make sense anymore. I, I, did you have anything that you can think of? Oh, gosh. Um, I think that uh, that it was that it was all going to be, you know, just this happy idyllic kind of setup. Um, that uh, you know, you raise perfect children and they go to the perfect preschool and then they make perfect grades and yeah. then they uh, are starters on you know the the little league baseball team and then they transition into football and guess what? They're the fastest receiver on the team and then they score a perfect score on the ACT and then they get into the perfect college and on and on and on. There's this, this expectation of perfection that um, I think is rampant um, in, in our culture that is not sustainable. Totally. It's not real. It's not doable. And we will wreck ourselves trying to live to that standard. Did you ever have to let go of that? Like Oh, constantly. Um, because each, each child is different. Right, they're going to have their own um, strengths and weaknesses, and their gifts. Yeah. You will not know until you literally set them down and try them at everything. And you know that the the prodigy piano player is probably not going to be the fastest wide receiver on the team. <laughs> you know, and the opposite is true. You know, the artist and the thinker, yes. and and the athlete and the entrepreneur. Um, and so it's, it's actually really exciting to watch the kids grow up and see what they gravitate towards. Okay. So I have one and I feel like it's going to be easier for me to just observe. I'm all about like, let's see where he gravitates toward right. and, and, and you know, his mom and I like team up on that. So we're on the same page, but like, let's let him kind of gravitate toward things. Let's fuel it, not force it. It's 
my mentality. Right. But I, I only have one to figure that out with. Yeah. So I can feel like I'm going to figure it out and be like, oh, good. We're sending, sending him down a good lane. <laughs> you probably have like, we figured out this one now. Let's sweat and like trying to figure out another exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think there's, again, there's excitement there. Um, there can be frustration yeah. because what worked with the first one doesn't at all work with the second one or the third one or however many. Was that have. jarring for you both? Yeah. I, I mean, to some degree it was because, you know, the, the second one, Kyle's his own dude and he does not <laughs> respond, you know, to the same things. There, in a lot of ways, they're, they're similar, but in a lot of ways, they're different. Um, the learning style, for instance, you know, Sam, um, he just, uh, he, he has a knack for, for math and science that Kyle just quite up. He just does not. Yeah. Um, Kyle has other gifts. Um, he's really good at math and he likes more the business angle, more the money angle. Um, you know, it's funny because we, we tell the story about when the kids are, I don't know, Kyle was probably four or five and Sam was, you know, maybe I guess kinder in first grade. And Kyle sold his choice um, to the movies to Sam for a dollar. <laughs> the, the young entrepreneur in kindergarten. Of, proud of that moment? Heck yeah. <laughs> it's like, we're going to go see Cars. It's like, no, I want to go see this other movie. Sam didn't, you know. And, and Kyle's like, okay, well, we can go see Cars if you pay me a dollar. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> and so even, you know, as a kindergartner, he was, he was showing his entrepreneurial, awesome. you know, uh, skills. And so... <laughs> I love that about them, that they're just different. And we have to celebrate those things equally and never compare. Hey friends, just a reminder, the mission here on this show is simple. I wanna help you rebel against complacency and conformity and fight for brilliance in every area of your life. And the reason that matters is because I believe when we do, it will directly impact our ability to be able to live, lead, and create more brilliantly. And one of the ways that you can be equipped and to resource yourself is to sign up for the fight for brilliance email which you can do by texting the word brilliant to the number 33777 every week i'll send out an email with a quick thought i'll share resources that either i found that i'm using in my life to help me rebel against complacency and conformity or resources that i have created specifically for this community to help you. And so stay connected to all the resources and to the latest episodes by signing up for the weekly Fight for Brilliance email by texting BRILLIANT to the number 33777. Now let's get back into this conversation with Mike. Have you and Jennifer done things to be intentional on your alignment on the way they're raised? Since, yes. cause you both are different and then both kids being different. Yes. It's just a recipe for disaster if left yes. unattended, right? Yes. And, and there's, there's a pitfall there. And again, no one's going to be perfect. And yeah. we've fouled it up plenty of times. But, um, one thing that we agreed on as parents was to respect the other parent in the presence of the children. So no matter what, if they're getting the decision, maybe not wrong, but doing it differently than right. you want. At that moment, right. it's not in front of them that we talk about. Yeah, I don't call into question the parenting style of my spouse in the moment in front of the kids. Yeah. Um, because that undermines their authority, and that's really damaging. For the, so, that's, that's hard for the kids to see that. It, it absolutely is. And it sucks to feel that way on the receiving end yeah. as the parent who's being called into question. And so, you know, I can point to a couple of times where we've had to... Uh, We've had to clarify 
that and how important it is as as married people, as parents, to to say we're not going to do that um, because there's there's this temptation to, to like say like, hey wait time out hold the phone what you know and then get into um, the family argument or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but I feel like we've done a really really good job overall to be. Um, in alignment and to stand next to each other as equals yeah. in the face of our children. Yeah, that's not easy. I mean, for me, the hardest thing has been letting go of like my way though. Because growing up in that yep. disciplinary home right. translates to this control freak at times, right? Yes. And so I find it's been harder for me to let go of, no, let's do it this way. Like this must be right because that's the way I would do it. Has that been hard for you? Of course. Um, you know, it's the part the parent partnership is a give and take thing. Yeah. And so you'll never get 100% your way. Um, I mean, there's valid reasons why the other parent, you know, has their approach as well. Um, unless it's just irrational, you know, and, and unsafe. I, I, I would encourage mm-hmm. all parents to listen to their spouse or to their, you know, their co-parent around why they think um, the way they do and the choices that they're making on behalf of your child. I mean, fully have a conversation about it at, at least. You, but I think you nailed it. It's listen to try to understand right. like why. Yeah. And instead of just shutting down that idea, yeah. I think that's huge. Yeah, and I, I think, think there's, a, there's a, an appreciation. And, and again, that it, um, it gives you an opportunity to respect someone else's um, perspective. Yeah. Um, that you don't have yourself and that you didn't live with or you weren't raised with. And so I think there's a beauty and a richness there where uh, the parents, you know, are able to um, approach parenting from a different style because the kids end up benefiting from all of that. I agree. Yeah. I didn't think that way when I first started as a dad. <laughs> that, like, let's get on the page of like one lane for this kid. Yeah. But I'm like gr- growing up here, for, you know, having him in the city even. Mm-hmm. I'm just seeing the beauty of this diverse culture that he's getting immersed in these different experiences. Like what that's shaping for him is an agility, I feel like. And that is invaluable later in life. You know, it's instead of controlling this single lane for him. There's also a danger in being a helicopter parent or that lawnmower parent that clears the way of every obstacle in the way of your kid. Um, of figuring all the problems out before it's a problem and solving all their challenges to where it's neat and tidy for them to experience. I think that's that's the absolute wrong thing to do. Um, problem solving is a, a core skill that we need to exist in the world today. Yeah. And if we're not teaching our kids how to cope and how to, to wrestle with challenges, then we're doing them a huge disservice. We're robbing them of that yes. learning and that opportunity. Yeah. If you look back at, at fatherhood and you've got a lot of years of fatherhood left, which yep. is funny, right? Like yep. just because one's in college, yeah. one's a senior, yeah. you're not done. But you know, them being in the home, raising yes. them inside the home. What's one of your fondest memories that you have as a father? Like it could be a season, could be a specific moment with each one differently. Gosh, there's so many. Um, and each, each season is different as they grow up. It just gets better and better. Yeah. Um, you know, because as little people, they can't express themselves. And so you teach them how to communicate and how to um, you know, be social and then how to get along with teammates and classmates. And then, um, you know, you really see them advance in their maturity, uh, throughout all those seasons. But my favorite season, 
I'll have to say were, were the three years that I was a stay-at-home dad. We've talked about this. Yeah. And I loved when you were talking about yeah. that. Talk about, so you were a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. When was this? You were in San Antonio? No, we were in far south Texas. Okay. So my wife was, um, was corporate. She served in, in a leadership role within a corporate, in the corporate community. Yeah. Um, and she traveled frequently and she was far and away the breadwinner of our family. So we said, um, you know, besides the fact that it, it was going to, uh, it was going to be a lot for us to put both of our kids in full-time daycare and have two full-time jobs. Why does, why don't one of us, you know, step back? And, and be the parent um, that cares for our kids. How old were the boys? They were, well, so they were preschool. Um, they were, it was very early on. So Kyle was, again, he was like from three to six and Sam was five to eight, I believe. So preschool, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, which are just idyllic years in any child's life. Um, it was, it was awesome. It was a lot of work, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was awesome. Those were, that was three years you had that yeah. time at home. Yeah. That age too is just like, there's so much change that happens, yes. right? In those ages there. Yes. Yeah. We, um, I mean, you're raising, you know, a baby into a little person Yeah. Uh, where a logic, a lot of logic kicks in, you know, they, they begin to um, form words and, you know, do all the elementary school um, the shapes and the numbers and the colors and the reading. And there's just a world of discovery there for, for them. And I was able to, um, I think, channel a lot of, of what my mother uh, instilled in me, which is a love of learning. Um, she's a lifelong teacher and an educator. And so, you know, Grandma Sims was always about like, hey, let's put the placemat down that has um, the map of the United States, you know, to where even yeah. when they're snacking on goldfish, they can be learning the state capitals and stuff like that. That's awesome. Um, but, you know, every little touch point, um, you know, we would we would study about um, animals and then we would go to the zoo and see the animals, um, you know, just trying to connect the dots of learning for them at that age. Um, it was completely unexpected, but I, I really feel like um, just educationally and relationally, I want to say that they benefited from those years. Yeah, I can't help but to imagine just how much like the relationship you have with them right now yep. is goes back probably even. Yep. They, they show their studies that show that those years two to five, I believe roughly, just the uh, now moms are just moms. Like I think yep. they just always impact their kids, like yep. and just have this connection that dads just don't have the luxury of having a super connection. It is a, it's it, a super I'm blown away by it just in the few years with Absolutely. my little guy, right? And I love that. It's yes. special. But there are studies that do show that two to five, I think, roughly that age group, yeah. that age range, the dad's presence, how important yes. that is. So yeah. I can't. I mean, it'd be impossible. I bet to. You could try to make up for that later, but it would have gotten harder the more yeah. busy you get in your career because then yeah. you take off. And yeah. so it's pretty special you had that. Yeah. What was one of the hardest moments as a father? Like it could again be a season. It could be with just one of them that like it was a gut wrenching, like hard moment with your kids. Like have, have you ever had one of those? Um, I have. And um, I would have to say that it would be. Uh, a little controversial um, <laughs> to share, and you might have some some readers or listeners comment like, "What in the world?" Um, we had a challenge getting up and out to school 
on a daily basis during those years where, um, you know, my oldest one was in first grade at the time and we were late uh, frequently. And so it came to a day where we were running late and I had the younger one in the car seat and I was control of his schedule because he was with me. Mm -hmm. And um, Sam, my older one, you know, he was doing his thing, which is taking his time. And I said, we are leaving now. And I, I frequently did a countdown. So oh, I don't yeah. know if parenting, you know, if, if that's evolved at all, but I, I, I always counted down from 10 to, to one. To You're where, generous. I started three. Okay, well, three, <laughs> five, three. The point is that you know when you count to one, something better happen. Um, and so, you know, we said, we're, we're leaving now. And I did my countdown and we walked out the front door and I got in the truck and we were literally pulling down the driveway and I, I drove down the street and my son was standing on the front porch with his backpack on and his little lunch sack, just like sobbing in tears and screaming his head off the fact that I left him behind. Of course, I w didn't really leave him behind because I drove around the block and came back and got him. Yeah, of course. But it was for shock effect. And he hates to be late. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. As a 20-year-old, uh, he absolutely can't stand to be late. To anything and I don't know if that was the day that he learned his lesson or not but well, that stands out. I'm gonna give you credit for that but <laughs> the thing about that too that I'm gonna laugh at because I don't care what anybody else thinks about that moment because when you are a parent the thing that I, I used to sit inside of a restaurant and see a kid screaming and think freaking get control over your kid yep. why are you giving him an iPad yeah now Hey son, <laughs> play a game on my phone. Let me eat dinner. Like yeah. I, the things you say you'll never do or never, or you, the things you judge other parents for when you're not one. Right. Everything changes. Like the rules go away. It's yeah. your kid. You got to figure this. Yeah. Like you got to figure it out. You know. Yeah. And that was one of those moments for you. You had to yeah. figure it out. So I don't judge. Yeah. At all. I might yeah. have to edit that out because well, it's too late for CPS to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you're you're good. Um, I was, it was literally just like 30 seconds. It was no big deal. I Look, it, every single thing does something to us as kids, right? Yeah. These, so I'm sure it goes back to that. I'm scarred from getting forgotten at a, a after church one day at a restaurant. I keep oh, going back gosh. to that in my childhood. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so at least you came back for him. Absolutely. Um, all right. So I, the last thing I probably want to ask you would be, uh, and this is just something I think a lot about. I love to ask this question question um which would be what do you hope the story is that your boys tell of you so when they when they're sitting around and and talking with girlfriends you know mm. future co-workers and and they're talking about their dad what do you hope the story is that they have for who their dad is to them gosh that's a great question um it's kind of hard to predict the future Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you don't, at least I, I don't often think about the times where I won't be around for them, um, because we're in a, a really sweet season right now where we're in constant contact, but I, I would have to guess that they would look back and say, my dad, um, taught me honor, um, respect and hard work, mm -hmm. um, Again, because I, I model that, you know, my wife models that on a daily basis um, through every touch point. You know, we, no matter how much we dislike something or how much we lose our cool or whatever foul kind of mood I come home in, um, you know, we end up working things out. And it's just the honesty and transparency um, that I think that 
points to a real love and respect for the people we care about. Yeah. And just that honesty, I feel like just transcends everything that they're going to, that's, that's the thing that they've learned. And hopefully they'll be able to model for everyone in their lives and their kids when they have them. One of the things I want, I want to finish up talking about is we, we actually talked about Ironman is doing some races. Yeah. Um, again, 2020, I know you're going to join me, <laughs> but if you don't, you started something inside of your, your household that I love, which is, it's not just you that raced and yeah. it's not just you. That's so when we talk about like, inspiring like and being a father i feel like you have led with actions by getting your butt out of the office and just training for those iron mans and the impact has been which one of them now kyle right yeah Yeah. what's Uh, he doing with it he's he's now done some triathlons or he's he has he has um yeah he's seen me uh, through the years i would say through i would guess the past um 10 years now um do different distance races you know, both running races, endurance races, and then triathlon. Um, And so he's actually done three of them himself. Uh, They've been, you know, the sprint triathlon there at North Shore Park in the woodlands um, that they they hold every spring. Uh, But yeah, I I think that he's been inspired by it. We've we've volunteered together at the finish line of this past year at the Ironman race. and we signed up for the late shift to where we get the midnight crew, the, la- the last group in, awesome. uh, under the time cutoff, uh, to hand them their metal and to give them their, you know, their, their water and everything. And it's just, um, I feel like it's, it's super exciting and inspiring, uh, environment to be in. But Kyle has also seen the hard work that it takes when no one's watching. Yeah. And he's seen me do that. And again, that speaks to the work ethic, just the tireless dedication to something that you say you're going to do mm-hmm. long after it stops being fun. Um, you know, when everyone else is out on a Friday night at a football game, you know, you might be on the stationary bike yeah. uh, or sat early Saturday morning when people are sleeping in and you're, you're you, running. He saw you doing that. He saw me doing yeah. that, you know, and, and, and uh, what, he would wake up and I would already be back from whatever run I was on, you know, cooking him breakfast. Yes. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, how long have you been up? I'm like, yeah, I've, I've done a few things since <laughs> uh, since I woke up. And so I feel like that rubs off. Um, you know, he's been inspired to go do his own races. And I think that he'll do, he's, he's told me, it's just a matter of time before I do Ironman. Um, the senior year, the junior year, especially in high school is a total beat down, um, yeah. you know, making grades and going and going and trying to making good test grades. Uh, for college. That's what um, he told you he's focused on? Yeah, <laughs> and he is. Uh, but the junior year was tough. And then the senior year, of course, is, you know, critical. And so um, he, he uh, I think he'll probably end up doing another sprint next spring. So he's not currently training. Um, but I do feel like Ironman is in his future now. It's baked in. You showed him it. And, and I've also seen in you that I know the environment you've worked in before has been demanding. We both yeah. came from very demanding yep. um you know, jobs and we stuck them out. So he saw the work ethic there, Mm -hmm. but I've always seen you never compromise family. Yeah. And like you talked about the training, being home, like uh, that is something that I feel like I've picked up and inherited having this proximity with you. Yeah. Just seeing how you can have pursued that stuff and kept family intact because that's the first thing on my mind is like, okay, I want to do these things, but I want to be present. So, 
So I just want to close out and just say one, like, thank you for taking the time to have this conversation yeah, like this with me. me. I also just want to commend you because it's so admirable as a young dad to see where you're at, what you've done with your boys, the way they're turning out, just the way that you are as a man, like as a husband, you. you, it really does inspire me. And I know like these boys are being raised with someone that they probably like just freaking adore yeah. and look up to a ton. And so I just wanted Thank to you. commend you for the way you're fighting to be brilliant as just an all around dude, but especially as a dad. And Amen. that's really stood out to me. Well, over thank the years. you so much. And it's right back at you because I, I know that um, as being a single dad is something that I've never experienced. Um, and so I can imagine that it's been more challenging and in some ways more rewarding because it is it is you in London, um, you know, uh, for at least part of the time. Yeah. And so how you spend that time together, again, is so critical. We talked about, you know, those formative years. Uh, right, you know, how old is London right now? It's four every okay. time. Okay, so so you're doing it. I mean, you're doing the exact same thing that I did. I know it's kind of funny how the cycle so, of my life is like following the yeah. trajectory, sorry, is yeah. following that a little bit, yeah. like having those years. Yeah, I mean, I'm not home all day long, but picking yeah. them up from school every day. And it's and special time, it. man. Like it, yeah. but you're doing it. you know what? Parenting is, I heard uh, Dave Hollis, who I've actually had on the show, he said, uh, talking about parenting, mm-hmm. he said it's not 50-50. So, like, even whether it's co-parenting or, like, co-parenting in a home, right? right. Like, yep. either way, he goes, it's not 50-50. It's both 100% responsible. Yep. Yep. And I really love that That's mentality great. because it. I heard that early on and like, when we shifted. And it made me think about that differently. But yeah. having guys like you in my life... You know, I had a great dad, but it's some, another thing to have those guys you're coming alongside of, you know, that are that are actually living it yeah. in front of you. So I respect you. Love you, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, yeah likewise. Iron sharpens iron. So right back at you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mike. And as always, you can stay connected with Mike Sims across social media. All the links are right there inside of the show notes, wherever you're listening to this. And uh, I would also love to stay connected to you on social media. Keep the conversation going. And so you can find me using the handle at Keller Thinks on all platforms. And if you want to be part of the Fight for Brilliance community, you want to stay connected to the resources that I'm creating. I'm working on some really exciting resources for this community um, to help you live, lead, and create more brilliantly. Uh, All you need to do is text the word brilliant to the number 33777 and you'll be signed up and you'll get the weekly email. You'll stay connected to resources as well as um, the latest episodes here on the show. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you next week for another conversation here that challenges you to rebel against complacency and conformity and to fight for brilliance in every single area of your life. And until then, this is your weekly reminder that you, yes, you, you are brilliant. 